1: Hello and welcome to the EDH RETCAST. My name is Joey Schultz and today I am joined by my fantastic co-host. Hey, uh, he heard that there's now a legendary creature called Inquisitor Greyfax and he just doesn't understand why someone would use a fax in the year 2022. That is so 1989 to use a fax.
0: It's Matt Morgan. So Joey, I hear that if you need a job, you could always try joining the search and rescue teams because they're always out looking for people. <laughs> for employment not not there hopefully is. they're not always looking for bodies
1: uh, well, uh, well, oh okay we're going oh. we're going
0: there you, <laughs> we go you you made a fax machine joke like i know Search and rescues trying to find the punchline for that joke too so
1: i i appreciate that you were trying to appeal to my uh loves to play reanimator <laughs> nature that was a, a a fun a fun way to start it off there
0: Matt. Uh, there we go uh, we're, we're all on the same page
1: Yes, and uh, we are not joined by Dana Roach today. He will be off for this episode, but that's okay because Matt and I have a fun episode uh, for y'all. Matt, what is it that we're actually talking about in this week's episode?
0: Well, we're going to talk about our worst fears and not the card worst fears, although it is <laughs> quite the banger. But we're going to talk about our actual maybe like nightmare scenarios, maybe better described where we just, times that might come up in a commander game that just we don't look forward to, we maybe hopefully try to avoid altogether.
1: Yeah, these things that keep us up at night. We wake up in a cold sweat. These things that we absolutely, they, they are terrifying. They haunt us. Will these things
0: occur in a commander Spooky. game? Spooky. Is, Halloween is coming up.
1: There you go. That's exactly the inspiration for it. So yeah, let's <laughs> totally get into it. It should be a whole bunch of fun. But real quick, before we get into that episode, we've got some quick shout outs to do. First, we've got to thank Chase, aka Mana Curves, for helping us with the post-production of the show. Chase, thank you ever so. You can find them online at ManaCurves absolutely the best so definitely check them out thank you so much jace
0: and if you would like to support the show you can do so by liking subscribing clicking all the thumbs up buttons on youtube your local podcast app whatever it is that you do it's just a great way to support the show absolutely for free but also if you would like to support us on patreon you can do so over at patreon.com slash edh we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels so whatever you're looking to get it's just a nice way to get something back for supporting us on patreon whether you want to join our discord community you want to see all the challenges, stats that we've done over the years. There's all of that and more over at patreon.com slash EDH And true to form, we're going to give that weekly shout out to one of those patrons who went over to Patreon to support us. So this week, thank you so much to Leo Sodergrin. Thank you, man. I I don't have any good jokes on Sodergren. I'm just, that's such a great, fun name to say, just Sodergren. <laughs>
1: Reminds me a bit of Soderbergh, like of uh, Ocean's Eleven fame, the director there. Like, oh, that's it. Oh, yes. That's a good name. Um, although, for the record, sometimes, Matt, I I, I know that this is a, a difficult conversation to have with you, especially right now while we're recording the podcast, but sometimes it's okay if you don't have a dad joke for every single occasion, such as our Patreon shout outs. I, I don't, that, that doesn't make okay. any sense.
0: It does not compute with you. It Do, does not you. compute. I, I don't understand what you're <laughs> saying here.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, let's talk about uh, places where we're better acquainted, <laughs> such as magic. Let's talk okay. about some commander stuff instead, That's so yeah, we are <laughs> we are talking about our our commander worst fears, some of the things that like might come up in game or not even potentially in game but like sometimes around the game or uh just related to magic that kind of give us a little bit of the. Oh no, the the dread, the cold sweats at night. Um, and Matt, you know, how about you go ahead and uh, kick it off for us? What is an occasion that might come up in a commander game that gives you your worst commander nightmares?
0: Well, I suppose we'll start it off pretty light here, and just I hate, maybe not hate, I don't look forward to when somebody has that silver bullet card. That card uh. that it's the exact answer, exactly when you need it. Uh, it's always you 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 build up that spent that entire game trying to get to a certain point where you can position yourself to win and then, oh no, they had the perfect answer right when they needed it. Ah. And like, like they drew into it at instant speed and in response. There's everybody has one of those fun stories. But also when you just ah. It's. You uh, <laughs> were so close. You were so close. close. Yeah.
1: So cl- So like that is the thing that makes this one like I. Feel, I feel like everything that we talk about in this episode will actually be pretty tricky because there are occasions where on the one hand, holy crap, that's so epic. Like I have been the person who rejoices when someone gets the silver bullet and totally demolishes me. Oh yeah. But I have also been the person who's like, no, nah! whenever someone finds a civil bullet and totally demolishes me. Like you and Dana have mentioned graveyard hate all the time. <laughs> and we all know that graveyard hate is a thing that gives me plenty of commander anxiety because my lovely necromancy decks cannot really survive a bog and a rest in peace. And, and you know, I don't even fear like just the scavenger grounds. The other thing that I fear on top of it is like when the person with the scavenger grounds doesn't just have scavenger grounds, they also have an additional desert that scavenger grounds can 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 also sacrifice to get the scavenger grounds effect twice because you can just sacrifice a desert not necessarily the grounds itself so like that's the stuff that makes me like absolutely dread and and like again it's it's nuanced because like when i'm doing all my graveyard shenanigans i do deserve to be taken down a peg because it's way too (laughs) like like you can't let me do my graveyard stuff but i still i absolutely i get the cold sweats when someone's just like oh is this a a ley line of the void in my opening hand how novel how intriguing I'm like no
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's always fun to have those moments where uh, kind of like the meme. It's like, oh, somebody call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> like th- those types of buildups. Though you always get the best stories from there. Yes, it does sting to be on the receiving end of them. But ultimately, like you, you do it for the stories. That's why we play commander. It's to to have those experiences to to do those things. So, yes, it stings a little bit when you're on the receiving end of the perfectly timed brainstorm into to settle the wreckage or whatever it ends up being. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's, it's fun. Like you, you remember those games that like everybody was, you know, hanging on the, the, the cliffhanger type of moments mm-hmm. and then it resolved. So, it, yeah, it's always fun. You, you, know, you never remember not having it, but you always remember having the answer yes yeah
1: and it's especially fun when like sometimes those answers compound upon each other like i have absolutely seen someone play an ink shield Mm -hmm. uh which you know stops all of the commander damage gives you a bunch of inklings in return and then they attacked they did a crackback attack with all of those inklings that they just got and then that person responded with an arachnogenesis so like all of the inklings then produced a bunch of spiders and then that person like cracked back with all of the spiders now that the inklings were all tapped and then a selfless squire came down (laughs) it's just like sometimes those silver bullets like Cascade into even more silver bullets, and that's when the game gets just so absolutely ludicrous that like I, I circle right back around from like oh no I'm I'm dreading this to okay this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I, I do think that there's probably a case to be made that like sometimes the silver bullets are so good that they do really take you out of the game almost completely. Like a rest in peace is going to be a lot harder for me to get out from underneath than a one time Pajuka bog or like a spike weaver or a constant mists being a perpetual fog that it feels like you can't get through or a spore frog constantly coming back. That one can actually be like genuinely a little bit like oh, grinds my teeth a little bit because if that doesn't feel as epic. That feels a little bit more like I've lost agency in this game. I can't actually do anything to this person now. And that feels a little bit like a shade darker in, instead of a shade more epic. Does that track with you?
0: Well, you? well, yeah, Joey. And I think you put it really well that people lose their agency. And that probably tiptoes around future points we're going to talk about later on this episode. But having the one time answer is very, very different from a continuous pressure applying it's something that kind of weighs down and takes the air out of the room type of answer mm-hmm. very very different things so uh, yes the the one time oh i gotcha moment is completely different from oh i'm going to answer your entire game and it, so yeah, yeah the, the the one time silver bullet ty- type of cards i love it they lead to amazing stories but yes cards that make people lose their agency over what they could be doing in the game probably even worse.
1: Well, that's one of the things, like, for for instance, uh, you specifically don't like Dictative Erebos or Mm -hmm. other types of, like, Perpetual Sacrifice stuff, because you have a lot of decks where you might have, like, just a single commander in play, like your Valdok deck, for example. And if all I'm able to do is just sacrifice a single creature and you just don't get to have your commander around anymore, for, like, basically the foreseeable, like, rest of the game, yeah, that, that do sting. That does kind of suck. And in plenty of play groups, that isn't necessarily a problem, but that is the thing that I, as an opponent want to make sure that I am aware of when I'm playing games against you. Like I had plenty of sacrifice stuff in my decks, but one of my family's favorite types of decks to play is Voltron. And I was like, Oh, I want to have fun with my family. I don't want them to feel like they can't get out from underneath the sacrifice effects. So I'm not going to play these in this deck or I'm not going to play the deck against them. I'll play something different. So like that is uh, a way to navigate through those things because sometimes like the cool epic answer that you got does turn into something a little bit more nightmarish.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, you, And this is probably something that just gets measured out in your, your pregame conversations. What are we trying to do? How how hard are we trying to, to beat each other up? <laughs> uh, and yeah, if that's not solved, then yeah, it's something that you probably need to get figured out for your next before your next game night so yeah well Joy. so how about you what what is something that that keeps you up at night in cold sweats
1: <laughs> well i think that like you know that was a fun uh intro to the idea but like uh, yeah sort of piggybacking off of that same thing i think that this could be a way that we talk about something deeper specifically you just mentioned pregame conversations and i think that's going to be like a running theme throughout this specific uh episode is like the importance of those pregame conversations specifically because genuinely one of the things that actually does like not prey on me in the like ah oh, bajuka is it scares me kind of way but like in the genuine like, okay. I really don't want this to happen kind of way is when one person just doesn't get to participate much in the game at all. Mm Like Matt, you and I have definitely experienced this uh when we are streaming twitch.tv slash edh retcast. It is so much fun. And specifically nice plug, we, nice plug, nice plug. That, thank you, thank you. I'm getting <laughs> I'm learned I learned it from watching you. Uh the uh the experience that sometimes we worry about, like when we're getting everything together, is we're gonna have an awesome guest on, whether we're having Ashlyn Rose on or Lady Danger, or if we're having uh the folks from One More Mana on. Like we we just love having guests on mm-hmm. to the stream, but we do have an anxiety. We're like, what if someone gets a bad draw and then you know, we're playing a game in front of a whole bunch of people, and that person just gets stuck mana screwed, or their deck just doesn't ever really come together. They don't get to do a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to not enjoy their time, not only like, you know, in the game, but are they going to like walk away and feel bad about having spent that hour with us? We don't want them to, to have that. And we don't want the audience to feel bad having watched it either and just feel sorry for a person. So, like, uh, and, and, you know, that also goes for us too. Like, we also get mana screwed, and we just want to make sure that there's like an even game for everyone. But, like, when one person doesn't get to participate a whole lot, ah, man. Man, it hurts.
0: Well, not even just exclusive to our streams, but just in in regular games with with people. I remember there were a couple of games uh, we went to Command Fest Richmond several months ago. I sat down for a game, and there was one person they, they drew drew an opening hand didn't look so good, so they drew an opening hand again. They're like, I, you know, they visibly were kind of like, oh, gosh dang it. And so then they drew they, they drew six. They said, well, the six is even good. Most of the time. If you have a pre-existing play group, you can probably encourage people to to play however you want. But at, at in this situation, the the other three people at the table were just kind of like, you know, just just draw again, draw a good seven, just just get a, get a good opening hand. Hmm. That's kind of encouraged, and that's probably one of my favorite rules that commander players have quote ignored. Um, we we still follow <laughs> it, sort of, but the 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 opening hand is probably the worst way and worst reason for people not getting to play. Um, If you're playing in in more powerful, tight-knit decks, then yes, I I totally understand that the mulligan rule is a huge part of encouraging proper deck building. But if you're just playing casually just to play, you're, you're meeting new people, you just wanna have fun, man. (laughs) just just encourage people to just find a good seven that that's one piece of advice i would have for people
1: there's even i sometimes notice on streams because i lurk a lot on streams i I Mm -hmm. really like i like watching my friends play magic um and i totally notice that if someone's getting mana screwed a lot of streams also have like a just okay it's been three turns since you had a land drop just go free cultivate you get a free cultivate like you get a a free go find some lands because we yeah we want to play this game with you like that is why we're all here we want to be glad that we spent our time with each other and that we spent our time playing this specific game and so that is definitely a uh, you know the mana screw is one of the biggest ways that that can uh that can come up is if like someone just doesn't happen to get the resources that they need but it does come up in other ways too such as you know the examples that we mentioned earlier where like if one person's strategy is so overwhelming that it completely eclipses another person's ability to do something that actually does factor into my threat analysis because like it, what you know what i am going to do and my success in the game is certainly a thing that I'll factor in, but I also want to make sure that everyone's having a good time. So sometimes, if I see that one person's got some, let's say, sacrificey stuff or uh, certain. I don't know, like a, an Aura of Silence, for example, is making yeah, it sure. so that the Artifact sure. deck or the Enchantress deck over there isn't able to play as much as me with all of my creature-based decks. I might target the person with the Aura of Silence just a little bit more than I probably normally would to make sure that the enchantment player over there still gets to do some stuff. I don't want to like give them free reign necessarily, but I also want to make sure that they can get out right. from underneath the pal that has been hanging onto them the entire game and preventing them from getting any momentum at all.
0: Well, I, I, I know I personally had an experience where uh, I, I was playing with somebody that I I, they, I knew them a little bit, but I wasn't super familiar with them. And they said, well, you know, you talk about your Valduk deck. I, I would like to play against it. I was like, okay, yeah, definitely. Totally doable. And they pulled out a Slimefoot, the Stowaway deck. And and for those of you who aren't initiated with Golgari, uh, like Joseph M. Schultz here, mm-hmm. uh, Slimefoot is very much known for an aristocrat style, sacrifice my things, get all the things type of decks so i was like um okay we'll see how this goes and i knew this person probably they're a little spikier than the, the, the typical commander player and so they just eventually i would say probably you know turn six or seven things were starting to kind of ramp up a little bit uh a dictative Erebus came out i was like well sure okay so so <laughs> Yeah, I, I effectively didn't get to play a whole lot the rest of the game because they just wait till my tokens that I made with Valdeck went away, sacrificed a creature, and, and I was effectively just locked out of the game. So, yeah, th- those types of situations where maybe somebody just effectively, like you said earlier, Joy, loses their agency in the game. That is such a huge, huge part of why people get sour experiences and, and leave a game thinking, did I kind of waste a little bit of time there? Um Hopefully it's never that bad where you think you absolutely wasted your time, but you know, as long as you can have those conversations and there, there was a a Twitter thread thread recently about people who, you know, if you don't get to do the thing, then sometimes commander players will just concede, but I totally understand where that, that thought process of, well, I I don't get to do the thing anymore. So why I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of wasting my own time here. Commander players like they like to do the thing. That's why we're playing commander. That also is like immediately so nuanced, right?
1: Because like mm-hmm. there are certain situations where like I I like so for example, if the Zakama player has been able to do the Zakama bounce situation, get a whole bunch of mana, and then the Zakama player is able to take out all of your creatures, gain basically infinite life, and also kill all of your artifacts and enchantments. That is a situation where I'm kind of like, all right, I understand why if everyone feels that this game is over, this game can just be over because I don't think that I can play anything that will stick. And the waiting for the commander damage to slowly take me out. Mm-hmm. Is not really the experience I think I'm going to be in the mood for for the next half hour of my life probably like that is a situation where I'm just like yeah this this makes sense to me but I do also see like this is a kind of like a a side almost nightmare for me too like, like I also see sometimes commander players might give up a little bit too early they might behave in ways that are like sure sure it's just like well okay but you know just because you didn't have the answer doesn't mean that there was no answer for this situation at all. And maybe one of your opponents actually, like, maybe you need to do a little bit of team talk with them to see what's really going on. Because that's totally happened to me as well. I've certainly seen commander players who give up faster than they necessarily needed to. And that is, that that's what makes this thing absolutely difficult. And I don't, I, like, I can certainly imagine the type of person who feels... That, like, oh, well, since I didn't get to do my thing, this game was a waste of time. And that is such a negative energy that I just absolutely don't like. But there is also a flip side where, like, sometimes the things that happen in a game are so much of a, like, a oh, okay, there's really nothing I can do. That, like, it just does make sense to wrap it up from there. So, like, this is a, a difficult yeah. thing to balance to figure out how to thread those needles.
0: But and Well, and to go back again to what you said, I don't know if people... I don't know if it's so discouraging that they didn't get to do the thing, but they lost their agency in the game. They lost their ability yeah. to make any sort of meaningful impact. Um, you know, if, to circle back to my Valdet game, I'm mono-red, which is very well known for being able to interact with enchantments. Oh, Very, yeah. so very many, well known.
1: So many, so many ways <laughs> to remove enchantments in mono-red.
0: Yes, but... And so, yeah, so I, I sat there and, and I effectively didn't get to play the rest of the game. And I ended up, I didn't, but... Um, yeah, just absolutely. When, when players lose their ability to even influence the board state, not even not so much play their commander because sometimes, you know, a commander has to be answered. People do. Mm-hmm. So it, every every game is it. It's, it's impossible to put down one straightforward rule that applies to everything because there's so many variables. But in, in, in a lot of games I've seen, yeah, when, when people lose their agency to the game, they kind of lose their interest in playing that game. Yeah. Well, and Joey too, I guess one... Situation that I know I have come across several times in games, especially with newer players, that I always feel bad. And and I i know it's happened to me a couple times too. Is sometimes when you're playing and you discover a negative synergy or a negative interaction within your own deck, something uh. that you you don't really plan around. And and yes, it is possible in 2022 with all the words they're putting on cards <laughs> that you maybe misunderstand how some of the cards work and some of the interactions. There's tens of thousands of cards to play Magic Gathering with, there's no way to memorize how each and every single card interacts with each other. And so <laughs> sometimes you might sit down and you might discover it's some negative synergy that you accidentally put into your deck. And maybe it looked like a good idea. Maybe you just like threw a card in for filler. But nothing, especially like I said, with new players, this is where I feel the pain the most. When you have to kind of tell the person... Actually, that's that's not how that works or it it doesn't doesn't work that way. That's always such a it's a crappy situation to be in to have to be that person. But also, I'm sure especially if you're a newer player, there's some amount of embarrassment too about, you know, you're playing with people and, and you don't even understand how every single card in your deck works.
1: I absolutely feel that. Like, yeah, there's, it's a nightmare being the person who discovers. Oh wait, this thing doesn't work the way that I thought it was. There's Mm -hmm. like a social like, like the embarrassment as you said. But there's also like the person who points it out. Like, there's no way that you don't feel a little bit bad, right? Where you're just like, okay, I'm sorry to tell you about this, but like in your Planeswalker deck here that doesn't have black in the color identity, that Garrick Relentless that you're playing, which has green on the front half, but has black and green on the back half because of the color identifying icon. That one actually doesn't work in your Planeswalker deck because of these really obscure rules about color identity that you aren't as familiar with yet. And like you feel horrible saying that or or like another mistake that i definitely see a whole lot is with the myriad mechanic because myriad let's say you put a blade of selves onto like an elder Gargoroth as an example myriad makes tokens of creatures that are already tapped and attacking when you attack a player with the equipped creature with that blade of selves and elder gargaroth has an attack trigger whenever it attacks you can do like eight different bust of things it's a really fun card and there's a mistake that i totally see happen a lot with that type of situation where the creatures enter the battlefield already tapped in attacking which means they 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 haven't declared the attack and don't get the when this creature attacks trigger. Mm -hmm. That is another huge mistake that I see all of the time. And it's a really intuitive mistake. And pointing out those mistakes, you know, you want to play the, the game right. You don't want the person to walk away. Not knowing how the rules work and thinking that this rules interaction is how the the game can go, because sometimes those rules interactions might be like a little bit too busto, like that's why the rules are the rules. But at the same time, you feel you feel horrible pointing that out to someone because you run the risk of making them like fall out of love with the thing that they loved about their deck so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's the thing that really sucks is I'm I, I feel bad when one of those rules interactions comes up. Not even when I'm the one who's guilty of it, but also if it's like I don't know, also when I'm the one guilty of it. Oh, like, yeah. in, in all situations when you discover that there's a rules interaction, it's just yeah. like, oh no, this could be very awkward. I hope that we manage to go through this gracefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> you you would know.
0: But also it's 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 funny because especially when we play on twitch.tv/slash edh reccast with guests on every single Wednesday. It, it's 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 funny because sometimes Twitch chat will catch things that we miss. And I don't know if people know this or not, but like content creators aren't immune to making mental mistakes. Um, what? I, I know I've I've said, <laughs> yes, even EDH rec representatives, we make a lot of mistakes, people. We make a lot of mistakes. I don't know what you could possibly, I've never uh, made a single well, error. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that I like, it, it, I, I don't want anybody to think that we're kind of n- trying to kind of talk down to people who've had made this mistake because i've made this mistake on stream i sat there with and i drew a card and looked at it I was like oh this card actually like this doesn't do anything um and it uh, for me it most often it happens when i take one deck and transform it into a different one so i have a couple holdovers Mm. but i've drawn several cards in several different decks and i look at it it's like oh this actually huh well i uh pass the turn because this doesn't do anything for me right now. Um, I've made that mistake so many times. So yes, we're, we're speaking from experience, not just on the, you know, Oh, Hey, by the way, the, the interaction doesn't actually work that way, but we've been on the receiving end of, Oh man, I made a, I made a mistake. I, it doesn't actually work that way. Um, so yeah, it's on, on all sides, this, these situations, it stinks and what I've ended up actually doing more often than not is if if, a, if somebody plays a card and, and it doesn't work the way they want to kind of the table typically is agreed okay we'll let it work this one time but it's not going to be <laughs> continual let it happen every single turn um, there was an equipment deck that that had uh, an equipment that they wanted I forget what it was um, and they forgot how, I believe it was how shroud works. They like, okay, well, i want to put this thing on the sh- thing with shroud and it was, shroud doesn't happen anymore. They just don't print cards with shroud. So like, it's easy to forget that shroud means you can't target it at all. It's very different from hex proof. And so the, there was a newer player. They, they were like, okay, we'll let you get around the shroud this one time, um, but just to make sure, you know, moving forward, it actually doesn't work that way. You can't target your thing with Shroud. And they're like, okay, like, thanks for letting me know. And and it, it ended up turning into a teaching moment, which is hopefully the result that you can get from a lot of these situations here
1: yeah uh, and, and again it's a hopefully thing and and it, it feels hopefully. even worse if like you don't discover the mistake until well into the game like there and there's never s- happens no or, or like uh i'm trying to think of one for me because again like we also do the mistakings of mm-hmm. uh, of like not knowing all the time they say that reading the card
0: explains the card that's not always true though um but the- the, whoever whoever came up with that saying has never seen a card from strict <laughs> Or companion. Uh, <laughs> or companion. Uh,
1: but like, so there's one, uh, I know that there was at least one game that I played where I played some type of ravenous chupacabra in the, uh, to, as a means to destroy a creature. And I was just like, oh, this is a thing that I play it. I destroy a creature. And I wanted to kill off my own creature to get some huge death trigger effect. Maybe it was a coca show or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then several turns later, someone was just like, wait a Wait a second. Ravenous Chupacabra can only kill someone else, someone else's creature. It can't destroy your own. Sure. Well, shoot, we're several turns past that point now. Why, what can we do about it? And I feel like, oh man, that's a, that's a nightmare. Where I'm just like, shoot, have I ruined the way that we're going to remember this game now because I made a, a simple mistake like that? Like that sucks, especially when you're streaming. Uh,
0: well, and, and yeah, play when we play on stream, and, and our chat is typically great. Oh yeah. About being being able to catch these the, the, those things in real time. But it, when you're playing with friends and you catch that in a couple turns later. 99.9% of the time it, it, it there's an irreparable board state it's easier just to go on with it make sure you catch it the next time yeah cuz yeah if you're catching things turns later or or you've been doing something a few times and then you realize oh wait it doesn't actually work that way the don't worry I guess my, my <laughs> encouragement to to people who have come in this situation, don't worry about trying to create the perfect board state and rewind everything two turns. There's just so much effort that goes into it. It's such a waste of time. Just make a mental note. Make sure you, you learn from your mistakes and don't make that same mistake again. That's That's what I would say.
1: Yeah. And, and as a thing for me as well, like I, I kind of notice this myself as an audience member when I'm consuming other content, when I'm watching other creators out there, like I, I sometimes have that feeling where like, oh, I spotted a mistake. And that kind of almost makes me feel like, well, shoot, there's this big mistake that's in this commander gameplay, for example, and that has impacted my joy. And like that for me is the lesson that I have to take away as well. I'm like, why am I letting that affect my joy? Are you kidding? I get to watch a whole bunch of people who are playing a game and enjoying each other's company so much that they were not spending way too much much time very closely reading those cards why do i need to carry any idea that now the game feels invalidated or anything like that like that's that's not useful for me like i certainly want to hold uh you know the, the the content that i watch to a good standard but at the same time like watching people get so caught up in the fun and the thrill of the game that's probably the most important thing that I should actually focus myself on. So like as a creator myself, I also want to make sure that I don't have rules errors in say the upping the average videos that I do. Boy, is it fun when you are wrong on the internet. That's It's really great when you when you make mistakes to something that a lot of people are watching. But at the same time, I do want to recenter the fun of all of that too, whether I'm creating or I'm watching.
0: Well, and and- uh, MTG Mudster Andrew, for those of you not initiated, um, has a fantastic gameplay channel and they handle it very, very well. Just anytime that they realize something doesn't work, they kind of explain how it should have worked, what should have happened, and then they'll just keep going on with the game. So it's not that they're trying to ignore the fact that like, oh man, we, we made a mistake, here we go. I, w- yes, mistakes happen. And I would dare anybody to play flawlessly for their entire career without <laughs> making a mistake I mean, it's the whole like glass house throwing stones type of thing. Yes, mistakes happen, but man, it just t- turn <laughs> it into a teaching moment and, and move on from it. That That is such a huge thing, both in your actual gameplay, the, the games that you are playing yourself and the games you're watching. Nobody wants somebody poking them on the shoulder. Hey, hey, actually, no, 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 Like. <laughs> There, there's a graceful way to handle situations like that. And, and it's when you turn into the, well, actually type of moments, that's, that's where maybe newer players have a negative experience. They don't come back. Maybe that's where right. they see those comments and, and people think, well, well, this guy's just a jerk. Why, why would I want to listen to them? So so the way yeah. that these situations are handled, thats maybe that's another nightmare for me, is when people aren't graceful when they see mistakes. Because mistakes that's, are yeah. going to happen. This game is so huge. There's so much... Like I said, Strixhaven tripled the amount of words in the game. <laughs> and so just it, keep you really in mind... You've got a chip that, on your shoulder about that one. <laughs> it's, it's Strixhaven. There, there's not only are there like 3,000 words per card, there's two <laughs> cards per card. So... <laughs> <laughs> i'm not wrong it's true i'm not no, wrong you're not. it's so funny but yeah so so i yeah I, I back to my original point handle these mistakes gracefully if you see somebody making a mistake be encouraging be teaching be be part of the community that people want to join is i guess my biggest take home phrase there
1: yeah no the, the i think in my opinion the most important thing that you said was nestled right in the middle of all of that about like a newer player not enjoying the experience and not wanting to come back. That mm-hmm. is the ultimate. That is the er nightmare scenario where we have not created an environment where people want to to play the games. That that right there is the thing that like yeah, ha- handling the gracefully. It's tough. It's difficult. Whether you're the person who accidentally did the mistake or you're the person pointing it out. But like the ultimate point of all of it should be like, hopefully we maintain a group that is enjoying each other's experiences here. And that is the thing to like always try and keep a focus on, Um, which because the biggest nightmare would be like not having people to play with and having people who don't want to come play. Yeah, that would be. (sighs) Matt we're getting into some deep stuff should we We, take a break the the weeds
0: I was gonna say what we should really keep our focus on Joey is is challenging (laughs) stats yes (laughs) let's take a
1: quick break and then and then we'll come back with some stats that have been challenged Alrighty, let's get to challenging some stats because there's so much data on EDA track, but we don't always agree with it. Sometimes cards are over or underplayed. And I've got a fun one here that, um, I don't know, I hope that it makes Dana proud because it refers to a card that makes you pay life to draw cards. And as we know that is one of Dana's absolute favorite things to do. Specifically, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Painful Truths, which is such a good card. And in fact, it's showing up in over 30,000 decks just in general right now. Like this card sees plenty of play, but there is a specific niche that I think it could see even more play because that's just how much of a good card it is. Painful Truths is that two in a black sorcery that says uh, you draw X cards and you lose X life, where X is the number of colors of mana spent to cast this spell. So, Most of the time where you're going to see this card is in multicolor decks, especially like Mardu decks or any five-color deck, because it's going to be three mana to draw three cards. But I would wager that you should actually probably also consider playing this in some two-color decks as well, specifically any two-color decks that care about a lot of treasure tokens. So, for example, Braco's Party Leader, makes a lot of treasure tokens, or Kalein, Reclusive Painter, also makes a ton of treasure tokens. And those treasure tokens can tap to add any color of mana, so you can actually actually get this three mana draw three lose three effect even in a two color deck if your deck is all about creating these multicolor mana sources and i just think that this is kind of a a fun unique niche that even mr dana roach paying all of his life to do things would be extremely happy to see so yeah if you play treasures consider painful truths even if you're not playing three or more colors matt what's your challenge
0: well my challenge this week comes from a listener so greg bolton not to be confused with michael bolton but (laughs) greg bolton (laughs) Uh, Shot us an email and had a really good challenge that uh, I'm actually kind of a big fan of, especially having recently built my own Spell Slinger deck. So uh, Greg points out in... Uh, Spellslinger decks, especially Veyron, Voice of Duality. So that's the, is it Spellslinger? Uh, whenever you cast or copy instance or sorcery spells, Veyron gets plus one, plus one till end a turn, and then casting or copying instance or sorcery spells, uh, if they cause a triggered ability to uh, of a permanent you control to trigger, it triggers an additional time. So in these types of decks, ever since Strixhaven, as Greg points out, where they're doing a lot of copying, so they care about Magecraft abilities, so whenever you cast or copy a spell, If you're doing a lot of those copying and you have copy triggers available to you, Zadahedron Grinder is actually a fantastic addition. So Zadahedron Grinder, for those who don't remember because it's been a while since it was printed, (laughs) is 300 red for a legendary goblin ally. And it says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery that targets only Zadahedron Grinder, copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. Now, there's already some spells in there. There's some creatures in there that deal with copying spells. Uh, Beam Splitter Mage is another good one that some Vayron decks are playing. And if you're playing the typical Vo- Vayran deck that plays a lot of target creature gets X and, and then cantrips out. So I'm talking cards like Expedite or Shadow Rift, where you give a creature an ability and then you get to draw a card. Mm. This is an, an excellent, excellent addition to that because you're going to draw fistfuls of cards as long as you have a couple creatures out. Um, being able to cast Fists of Flame to follow up on that, huh. that is a fantastic way to punch through a ton of of damage. Fists of Flame is uh, one in, and one in a red for an instance says draw card until end of turn. Target creature gains trample and gets plus one plus oh for each card you've drawn this turn. So that card gets exponentially better the more creatures you have out on the battlefield. And remember too folks whenever you're casting or copying all those spells, Varin's just getting massive. Huge. So Huge, absolutely crazy. So giving Vayrin Trample, for example, is that's that's scary. That's real scary. So, Greg, this is a fantastic catch. Currently, Zada is only being played in about 13% of decks. Now, not every single Vayrin deck needs a Zada, but if you're playing the more combat trick focused type of Vayrin deck, Zada is definitely worth a gander because you're going to get so many triggers out of everything on the battlefield, really but, man, I I really, really like this challenge. Great call. If you need a lot of copy triggers as well, you're going to get a lot of Magecraft triggers. So definitely give Zada a look. It's been a while since Zada graced us, so um, <laughs> let it shamble on into your deck.
1: Matt, can I just say how much I love that even when Dana's not here, you're still channeling his old man language like with words like gander. And gander, like that. I yes. Just think that's, that's really sweet of you. I think that's really kind of I you to make I, sure that he's still with us in spirit. I
0: know that Dana's <laughs> taking a little... little break and everything but i want the listeners to feel like the old man is still yelling at the clouds
1: he's still he's still with us <laughs> <laughs> and if ever, anyone thinks that we're being unfair to dana I've, on, on the episode where matt wasn't pre- present with us you should have yeah. heard the, the stories that dana was making up about about him. so like it's it's, <laughs> it's all the, in good the, the real roasts
0: are fun. from the ones that know you all well enough to make the roast personal yeah like
1: this is it is a demonstration
0: of love to roast other people mm-hmm. exactly
1: i'm glad i'm glad that we've reached this understanding should we get back to talking about magic again we need to stop i I guess. I guess i okay. guess let's
0: talk about old cards
1: <laughs> old old cards well so i actually i want to start off as, with the second half of the show here i want to go back to a so another lighter topic um in terms of like our nightmares our, our worst nightmares and like this is a weird one maybe it's just me but like Matt, I'm afraid of mirror matches, like straight up. Okay. I, I think that like the experience of mirror matches in Commander can actually be sometimes a lot more grueling than at first it seems. Like if I'm playing my Baba La Saga deck and someone else has a Taser Karlov, like I feel like what I have now is an arch enemy opponent. I'm just like, I, I lose perspective because I'm just like, no, I need to be the only Aristocrats player. If I have a Blood Artist out and they have a Blood Artist out that's not good. I can't, they're doing my thing. That's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be the aristocrat person so I have to take them out. Like, I feel like that's kind of an experience that I notice no matter what type of strategy that I'm playing. If I'm playing Voltron or whatever and there's someone else doing the Voltron thing, I'm just like, wait, all of your tricks are also my tricks what do, what do I do about this? So I don't know, Matt, Matt, can you speak to any of that at all? Do you feel that? Or are you just like, I don't know, bring it on. It's a mirror match. Cool. I'll do the thing better. Like what's your mentality at it?
0: I mean, so, so I've played enough 60 card formats that the, the mirror match was always the most skill intensive, whether it was, oh, if you want a headache, Play a merfolk in modern mirror match. That is the most (laughs) impossible thing. Because when your Lord of Atlantis is giving the other person's merfolk plus one plus one an island walk. Oh, no. What? Oh, no. Yeah, because it's it's not merfolk you control. It's It's just merfolk. It's it's merfolk. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no is right. Uh, Or the the infect mirror match. That's the only reason Spellskite is even playable in modern anymore. I mean, granted, infect isn't playable in modern anyways. Anyways. But... (laughs) Yeah, the, the the mirror matches always were the most skill-intensive. I've never played a mirror, ma- a mirror match, so to say, in, in, in Commander because, I mean, a majority of decks turn things sideways, and that's kind of what most of my decks do. <laughs> but, but y- yes, I, I can understand you because of my understanding of other formats. Yeah, mirror matches, if you're playing the same strategy and so you have the same tricks that you're trying to pull off or the same synergies... They're going to be able to, not just to answer, but maybe you, you you make your move too soon and the person's able to react and actually get more benefit out of what you were trying to do than you were. Yes. And, you know, the, the aristocrats player, you try to pull off a, a living death, for example. They're able to, oh, well, in response, I'm going to sack my battlefield and get it on the graveyard. Yep. And then you get, get it all back from the living death. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So I... I haven't seen it in commander personally, but I I totally get that the, the, the song and dance of the mirror match absolutely can be one of the most mentally taxing things in magic. Maybe that's
1: it. Mentally taxing is the the way to put it. Uh, I mean, like, because like the way that this takes shape in my head is that like I fear like milling myself like twenty cards or something, and then someone else mm-hmm. reanimates my creatures with their animate deads and their rise of the dark realms and all that. And I'm just like, but you you stole my homework. How dare you steal my homework? You did my thing before I could do my thing. Like that's how it manifests in my head. But the reality is actually the mental taxation of it, where it's just like, oh, you know, I I probably was walking into this being like, I don't know, dude, like probably have a lean back casual game. Oh wait, no, they're doing my thing. Now I'm leaning forward and this isn't what I expected, but my, my brain is way more activated than I thought it would was going to be. I expected a chill experience and instead I am like I am doing all of the math, all of the numbers are floating around my head. Uh, so maybe that's more like where that becomes the the actual practical like reality of the situation is very different than yeah. oh, the, yeah. the the fear that lives in my head. And that's another important <laughs> thing to know about about nightmares is that like in reality, they're not actually all that fearsome. Sometimes they're just a, a little bit mentally taxing.
0: <laughs> See, I, I think I think it's funny that you're dreading the mirror match. When I remember now Rules Committee member Olivia Gobert-Hicks sat down at an all-brea pod and everybody had a <laughs> brea off. So your anxiety about seeing one other person maybe trying to do your strategy what would four brea players think that sounds like a, that sounds horrible to me
1: like <laughs> like straight up just like if everyone's playing marion or everyone's playing bre that sounds like a game that like i think it, the idea is like oh haha but like actually playing it would be like there's no way that's not a nightmare
0: <laughs> right like come on <laughs> i mean no knowing the people that were in the pod it was not a nightmare Because it was, whatever, let's throw caution to the wind. But yes, (laughs) if you're playing with the intent to win, yes, you are absolutely correct. That does get real messy real quick.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Just, like, there's a, a a funniness that sometimes comes up. I feel like this also probably, like, affects the way that, like, the other two players uh, at the pod would also feel. Like, they see two people who are both doing the same, say it's Aristocrat, say it's Voltron or whatever. That might, like, kind of affect their threat levels as well, like, just before the game even begins. They're like, oh, i got to keep an eye on this because there's an over... Uh, overrepresentation of this one specific strategy at the table. So, like, I might have to get my answers for that even more ready. So, like, in, in a mirror match, like the way that those people are are, are affecting their, their threat assessment also feels like a thing that will be impacted. And maybe that's why I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just a nervous wreck, Matt, and I start to spiral for kind of no good reason, but I think I have a good reason and therefore I keep doing
0: it. I, I will let you keep believing it's a good reason. Um, <laughs> I'll sit over here and watch you and, and the other necromancer duke it out. Um, <laughs> and I'll just be. Watching, taking notes, enjoying myself, and
1: those, those <laughs> my creatures to reanimate. Don't reanimate my creatures. Yeah, that's that's actually your solution there, right? Like when those happen, you can just watch me tear my own self apart. You don't even have to. <laughs> well, and
0: and that's kind of funny too. It, 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 when you put yourself into that third and fourth seat, you see those two people fighting over that one synergy. Well, mm. that they're distracting themselves, and you don't even have to do anything about it. That's just they're living rent-free in each other's brains, which <laughs> which gives. The, the third and the fourth person, more room to maneuver. Like, okay, we can yeah. kind of ignore them. We're just going to beat up on each other over here. Um, when you guys are done, I guess, let us know.
1: <laughs> yeah, l- let us know which one of you necromancers finally came out with the uh, with the coca show in play after that big reanimation battle you kept on having. Now,
0: granted, uh, yeah. that probably spells demise for the third and fourth people because the rise of the dark realms probably got like 30 creatures there's also that
1: there's also that yeah I can't be too complacent about it anyway that's enough about the the mirror match I, I don't know for me it's a kind of like one of those borderline funny type of like It's not a real anxiety of mine, but I'm just like, oh, this might change the way I was expecting to go into a game of Commander. So that can sometimes be more taxing than I thought it would be. But that's enough about that. Matt, let's move on to you. Sure. What is a nightmare, big or small, that affects you going into Commander?
0: Well, So I guess I'm going to bring my heavy topic to the table here. Well, so a situation that I think hasn't really happened a whole lot anymore, which I'm grateful for, for, for a couple of reasons, is you get into situations where maybe people aren't being completely honest with the power levels of their decks. You know, the, the whole like the, the joke is, oh, well, my deck is a seven, but it's never a seven. Is it? <laughs> no. Oh no. That's a, yeah, that, that is still a,
1: a reality to contend with. You're absolutely right. Yeah. the, the, I don't. I don't know that. Like, I can characterize it as like malicious misrepresentation of a power level necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I personally don't see that happen as much. I think it's happened to me one entire time in the past calendar year. But uh, it, it is also like, uh, yeah, actually trying to find it is it, it, it's still difficult. So like, yeah, yeah the, the the nightmare of it being like, oh, that isn't necessarily what we thought you were gonna play can still kind of exactly. weigh on a game
0: yeah yeah, it, yeah. The, the, it, and with smaller insular play groups it's kind of harder to pull off i would say it, like when we play together between you Dane, and myself we kind of know when somebody's trying to build up a new deck you know we'll talk to each other about some ideas we may not give all the details because we would have, we still like to surprise each other i would say yeah. but yeah it, it with smaller play groups it's it's kind of hard to pull off a deck that uh the, the the joke of like oh my deck it, the deck never does this but it does it more often than not or people who say yeah I've, I've played a couple de- I've played a couple games with this deck it's kind of new I don't really know how powerful it is but they know how powerful it is they they're the ones that built the deck
1: <laughs> <laughs> my deck has never done this before they say resolving their third tutor or something like that <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, Every, yeah that we, kind of... everybody's everybody's played games like that for sure right and and I think that like this is the this is why it's a, it's it's like actively difficult, I think, to have this conversation, especially in the context that we're currently having this conversation where we know that it this definitely will be is, yes. listened to or watched by a whole bunch of people because like we see a big mixed bag of reactions to this type of thing online. We see people who are valiantly insisting that their deck is a 7 after all. How dare you? And we also see people who say that pregame discussions just don't work at all or assume that we don't have... Like that, we don't play with strangers, and therefore we're out of touch with playing those. Uh, those deck that we're out of touch with playing with I mean, different I... people, which is weird. Like Matt, you just moved, and you're yeah. currently looking around for new LGSs Absolutely. to play at. So it's like, like we do have a different perspective on this being creators, at the, but at the same time, like this is still the thing that we see. And the ultimate nightmare is that like people didn't get to have a good time. Like that's ultimately yeah. what this is coming back to is that people feel maybe shorted a little bit on the game experience that they felt like they had been promised.
0: Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head right there. Like I, I just moved to a new city not too long ago. Uh, I'm I've, I've been trying new LGSs, trying to find one that has you know a fun commander night that I vibe with. I've played with a ton of strangers, and whenever we go to events, we play with a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we get outside of our our stream play group or, or playing with our close friends that we play with offline. But yeah. It, Playing with strangers always has some curveballs just navigating finding those characters because I'm sure every LGS still has that one or two people that you kind of okay well they say <laughs> they don't they build decks for fun but like they're not built like they're building decks more powerful than they, le, they let on So that little
1: counterspell fun deck you, you got over there I'm not right, sure I was in yeah. the mood for that tonight yeah yeah
0: they they are I they're absolutely people that they build decks And they're way more powerful. And and I'm not saying the pub stomping because the the pub stomping thing has largely gone away. Um, I I think the CEDH crowd that was inappropriately blamed for a lot of that has become more vocal. They kind of out of themselves in a good way. I I don't mean that sound bad, but they've been more vocal. Like I'm looking for this kind of game and I I applaud them for that. But the people who sit down with not not quite a CEDH deck, but very, very powerful. And they just want to play the first game that comes along well yeah that's that's where your mismatches are going to come from and that's where those bad experiences are going to come from
1: i think i think that this also maybe i don't mean to hijack your your point here matt but like this there was one more point that i had kind of brought into this too that kind of circles back to a point that we already taught we already touched on about like incorrect card interactions, like negative synergies. And I think that specifically this, like in terms of power levels and making sure that uh, the gameplay experience is not misrepresented, kind of dovetails a little bit into our thoughts about unfinity as well and how that makes certain yep. situations like this potentially even more thorny. Because, I, I mean, like... On the one hand, for instance, there are apparently some unfinity cards that instead of getting the acorn hollow foil stamp that would denote them as not actually legal unless you rule zero them with your play group, they got a regular <laughs> hollow foil stamp or vice versa. Like there have been mistakes which make you like, oh, what's, what legality is this actually supposed to be? But this is also thorny just when it comes to like, are you seeking an experience with those unfinity cards? Because they might actually, even the ones that are perfectly commander legal like they're not doing the dexterity stuff or other things that would earn them the acorn stamp that you wouldn't see in normal play even then sometimes i don't know maybe we're not in the mood for space bellerin for example to kind of complicate things just a little bit even the ones that are legal might still not be the experience that you're looking for and that is also a difficult situation to navigate if because if you are critical of it in some way there might be a lot of people who are put out By that, where they're just like, but I just wanted to have fun with these things. And so like locating the right people to to be able to have that fun with is is difficult to do, because I think that there are good reasons why people might not be in the mood for those silly cards, even the legal silly cards. But this is dovetailed into the power level situation and the misrepresentation of the game experience.
0: But but even then, like having the all the infinity cards be black border, I think that's going to cause so much Confusion, especially among the less enfranchised players, like it's it's very easy for us to to know. Just because if you're listening to this podcast, you're you're more entrenched than the people that we're talking about here. But the, the casual people, the pe- people buy packs at Walmart or, or whatever buy packs on Amazon. Mm. Those people they're just gonna buy a pack because oh, this looks like the new set. Let me get get a pack. So playing the non-legal black border cards, there's no way for people to tell a difference. They're going to see the stamp, but maybe they don't read those articles. (laughs) Those people definitely exist because Wizards of the Coast says those players exist. So they know that there are players that aren't invested enough to read articles about legality of the sets, but they're still giving an opportunity for the confusion. That's where I have always had my biggest struggle with changing Unfinity to black border. Uh, The stamp, I don't think, is going to do enough to help the lesson franchise players tell the difference. Yeah, I feel like it really hijacked your point. about this. I, like, But I'm, I'm picking up and wrong with it because I, I also yeah. <laughs> I, it's not that I don't like Unfinity cards. I struggle with some of the execution points of Unfinity. And, and it's purely on decisions that Wizards of the Coast made. It's nothing about the players who enjoy them. It, I'm talking about the execution of them.
1: And that's that's the point right there is that say that you don't like the Walking Dead cards or you don't like Infinity or something like the nightmare scenario for me is if I or anyone else at the table or, or whatever, our frustration at like the way that Wizards handled a certain product, such as Infinity, like I'm, I'm I don't know, I've got my thoughts on it for sure. But like if I allow that to affect the enjoyment of another person who was just looking for a good time. Like, that is my ultimate nightmare about this. I don't want that person to, again, feel like they w- don't want to come back. Like, that's that that's the thing for me. Mm-hmm. And in specifically with Unfinity, I'm just like, I don't know, to me, the black border doesn't work because whenever I look at an Unfinity card, it doesn't have the immediate framing to be like, hey, this is a joke. So to me, it feels like it doesn't really commit to the bit, which I don't think is good for a comedy set. But this is also a situation where there are going to be like, which I, th- I think for the vast majority of the time, it's not going to come up. But there are Unfinity cards that I think will come up in certain contexts because this is Commander and Commander loves niche stuff. So there's a a card called Wicker Picker, for example, that has Sticker Kicker. (laughs) Haha, very funny, right? It's legal because stickers apparently are legal. And that's a thing where I'm just like, I don't really want to have to deal with stickers. But if I'm playing a Hilar deck, which cares about Kicker, or a Verizal deck, which cares about Kicker, well, that Sticker Kicker card actually probably is really good for those decks. And so now that's a thing where I'd have to be like, huh, here's the thing that I wanted to bring in. Uh, I'd probably be best, I don't want to leave value on the table, right? I'd probably want to play this in, in my kicker deck. Is everyone going to be okay with stickers, which isn't a thing that everyone's necessarily in love with. A lot of people have made videos calling it unappealing <laughs> way, 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 because it's very funny yes <laughs> uh so, so like that's that's the thing that makes it like th- suddenly this becomes thorny whether we're like trying to navigate a power level discussion or whether we're trying to navigate a is everyone going to be on board with it? just what is the game experience in general that everyone is looking for do people like attractions do people dislike attractions i don't want to piss anyone off just because i tried to make a deck that i thought was fun and i also don't want to make anyone feel bad about the deck that they built that they thought was fun that is what makes it so hard
0: and and i think to like the sticker cards being legal and all that. I think this falls a little bit in line with kind of where the the initiative cards are or or dungeons when you're allowing other people to get into dungeons. You're kind of putting the onus on other people to track something that your deck is introducing. So, and Joe, you had had joked before uh, about, okay, well, if I'm playing a card that has the initiative, I'm bringing four initiative cards so that everybody is able to track it on their own. Yeah. It's stuff like that. It's just if if this is the type of yum that you have for your decks, then being a little more proactive to keep that experience positive for the other people that maybe weren't prepared for that type of game. I, I don't have uh, the Undercity card laying around, so I'm, I, the initiative kind of doesn't do it for me. And I don't want to be on my phone the entire time when we're playing a game. Having those those things set aside ahead of time, just to prepare the people that you would be playing with, I think that's going to go so so far in smoothing over Joey's old man curmudgeon sitting on his front porch yelling at kids type of attitude about stickers. I'm younger than you. I, how dare you! <laughs> I, I know, but, but 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 then also too, like I I'm not an unset person. Like I'm just not the target audience. I still don't know how stickers work, and now I'm supposed to keep up with them. And so that's I guess that's my biggest confusion was. I used to be able to ignore unsets because I, I just, that, that's fine. Somebody else will, somebody else will enjoy them. Um, but now like, I, I kind of have to because these unset cards are legal <laughs> and I don't know what the mechanics do. So I, I, it's just more work on something that I just otherwise would not have paid attention to.
1: Let, let me ask you this, Matt. If there's a sticker on a card and then that card gets bounced back to your hand, what do you think happens to the sticker? No idea. I I've gen- could but, not tell but, Intuitively intuitively what would you expect to happen if you're playing infinity and you've got a sticker on a card and then the card gets bounced to your hand uh, happen? I,
0: I, i'm most <laughs> right? are, are we playing on arena and is this is, is this alchemy um i'm, I'm okay but, but seriously i'm assuming that the, the sticker would stay on the card because it's stuck like you would you would think it's huge. No. the news i'm stuck on you or whatever
1: but since since this funny thing is now operating within black border rules actually the sticker will not stay on a thing that is put into a zone where you can't because it's supposed to function like a counter that's how they went with those things so like there there's an unintuitive thing right like interesting so i I say this as a person who loves unsets unstable is genuinely one of my top five draft environments like legitimately ever it was so fun okay i'm I'm not kidding it's like right up there with cons of tarkir for me i loved it okay and infinity makes me feel a little bit deflated because by trying to make some of those things black bordered it feels to me that they lost some of the intuition of silliness and so that's where my frustration comes in sure but me explaining all of that took half an hour on a freaking podcast like and so like that is difficult to navigate when we're trying to like sit down and have a fun game with people who wanted to play this just want to play their halar kicker deck and there might be sticker cards in there which is so then suddenly this becomes like oh there's a, a mental onus of like the complexity of it which is certainly sometimes tough but then there's also like the if, if i'm bringing all of my baggage into that i don't want someone else to be affected by my baggage is what I'm trying to finally get around to here. It's just complicated.
0: And, and you just hit the nail on the head too with, that's that's my baggage, as you said. Everybody has their own, own baggage that they're bringing into a game, their own emotional attachments to X, Y, Z, their own aversions to everything. And so being aware of what dislikes you have and making sure that you're not letting that spill into someone's else enjoyment of something that they really, really like. There you go. Uh, if, if we sit there and and... You know, say you know we the next game that we play, Joy or yeah, Joey, Dana, whoever you want to play a sticker deck. Um, please be patient with me. Like I I, I don't know how this uh, yeah certain sticker mechanics work, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask questions. Help me understand. Help me understand where your enjoyment's coming from, so that maybe I can further increase your enjoyment because you got me with it. Um, but if I'm asking questions, don't just. Yeah. Don't dismiss other people for trying to understand how your deck works. Um, we've all watched me sit there and try to figure out Aristocrats, and Joey has laughed hysterically at me. No, trying not to at, not at with at, okay with it was it was definitely a with because I was laughing at myself like why did you even try to do this? But <laughs> yes, it, if people are asking questions, okay, help me understand your deck. I just want to make sure I know what's going on. That is definitely a situation that's going to happen in more games than not, especially with how many cards that are coming out. So if people are asking then maybe, yeah, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. This is, you know, what the deck's doing. This is what the stickers do. Um, <laughs> be patient with people. As much as you, 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 you should be patient with people learning, um, be patient patient with you know learning yourself
1: yes i I love that and that i think circles back around to the original point that you made about the power level discussion or the misrepresentation of decks like this is a a question a a conversation that gets harder and harder as more and more sets come out especially some of the bolder sets such as infinity or any set that has like a lot of really super juiced cards in it like these conversations get tougher and tougher so i mean we are going to have to navigate those things. And it's better to take the 10 minutes to figure it out beforehand than to like accidentally experience a thing that makes people feel like, ah, that's not what I thought we were all going to play. And that is a way that we can navigate in big conversational ways. And sometimes it's a thing that we do before we even build the decks. I mean, Matt, you mentioned the initiative. I don't put one-off initiative cards into my decks because I don't think that it'll, that the fun would be produced well enough by that. I don't mm-hmm. even put uh, one-off night and day cards into my deck because tracking the night and day I'm just like uh, it's just not worth it to have that one card in my deck, even if it's a good card, to start tracking night and day for the rest of the game this way. And that is, and if
0: it's not worth it for you, Joey, it's definitely not going to be worth it for the other people at the table. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, kind of, yeah. And it's your deck that that's that's thing. People putting the onus on other players to track their mechanics that they that they supposedly cared about. So that's where I'm like, ooh, help help us out here. Yeah, this
1: this conversation gets harder and harder every year and that's okay. <laughs> like the nightmare scenarios that we have is when those things are not handled gracefully and it makes someone feel put out and that they are they don't feel welcome at the table and stuff like that. Like again, that is like the err ur- example of all this. We want people to enjoy the time that they are spending with us, that they are spending playing the best game in the world. That's that's the thing it always comes back to. Matt, are we being cheesy again by uh, kind of wrapping up this entire
0: episode on the I, point of, like, I, I, empathy? We're not, <laughs> now, now we're having those dreams you don't want to wake up from and, and instead of the nightmares. So I, for the sake of not <laughs> misleading our audience, we should probably circle back to being grumps. Being, oh, do we have to be grumps? We don't have to be grumps, that's fine.
1: That's the thing, right? Like, any complaint about anything always comes from the fact that we care a whole lot about all of this stuff. It's true, so it's true.
0: Yeah, so, like... I don't know. I've, yeah, we, we it, we're just we're just trying to help pass on some of our past experiences, um, some of our game knowledge knowledge pertaining to the game to other people. We 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 hope that this podcast is informative and educational to help make your future games better with your friends, with strangers, whoever. And so, yeah. if we sound grumpy or curmudgeonly, it's only because we <laughs> care so much about the game. We want to see it flourish and see people enjoy the game, maybe just a little more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I could not have said it better myself. And uh that is why I will never wake from this nightmare because uh it is hard. <laughs> because be, be, it's actually because it's hard. The,
0: the, the person who just outdid you with words was not an English major. That's that's the nightmare for you.
1: That's the true nightmare. It's absolutely <laughs> the case. Oh no, I was just <gasps> do what do I have to hand in my degree now? What do I do? That's I have true. to give up my position as the editor. Okay. <laughs> well all right yeah uh there's a lot to chew on i think we went pretty deep in this episode but for now we probably need to call it good because the weirdest thing about complaining about anything magic or just like talking like theorizing about magic feels to me like actually the cure for any of that anxiety would just be to actually play magic so matt what do you say should we just like sign off here and actually go play some magic let's actually go play some magic and everybody everybody home go play some magic there you go. The cure for disc- discourse about EDH is to just play EDH. I think that's a good lesson to end on. So let's call this episode to a close. And Matt, if our listeners want to get in touch with us, where is it that they can find you?
0: So you can find me on the Twitter at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S 55. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings, we are streaming over at twitch.tv slash EDH Retcast. Guests every single week. It's always a super fun time. So tune in and... You can find Dana Roach over at Twitter at Dana Roach. It's pretty easy, pretty straightforward there. Um, he writes for Commander's Herald. He writes for EDH Rec. You can find a lot of his content out there and the other podcast too. Don't forget about Commander Central.
1: His other podcast. His other course.
0: podcast.
1: And as Dana always loves to point out, you can also find us at patreon.com slash edhretcast if you'd like to support the show. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter and you can find the cast at edhretcast on Facebook and on Twitter. Plus, if you've got a question for us, you can contact us at edhretcast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to Chase for assisting with the post-production of the show. So awesome. Thank you so much, Chase. You can find them online at Curves, which is a really rad Twitter handle, by the way. And listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights But until then, remember to EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.